answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. In this very special episode of Rise Up, we sit down with Michaela. She's a young woman from Southern California who demonstrated what it means to support the prophets even when dealing with difficult issues and pressures from the school and society where she lives. And she did so through a contest. Michaela's parents were members, so she was born into the church and baptized when she was eight years old. But it wasn't until she was 13 that she really dove into the gospel. Before that, she was relatively inactive for a few years. Now she lives in Southern California and currently serves in her ward as the Laurel Class President. But because of her ward size is so small, she is really the overall young women's class president. She loves to play guitar, but doesn't consider herself good enough to be anything beyond a beginner. She loves to read, especially anything that involves history, fiction, or both. She loves to write and is currently writing for her school newspaper. She also loves to draw, but is currently limited to Disney characters and Looney Tunes. She joins us today by phone. So welcome, Michaela. Thank you for coming on and, and talking with us. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I guess there's, it's kind of an uncommon thing for you. I mean, we didn't ask what, what, how old you were or anything like that, but would you mind telling us to, uh, what grade you're at in? Um, yeah, I'm 16 and I'm a junior. Okay, so you're a junior at a, in Southern California, and I, I actually grew up in Southern California around the Oceanside area, and so I kind of know the area and, and some of the experiences that you may have, but you say that you, you're in a situation where your ward is so small that you, you pretty much make up the w- young women's class presidency. Um, how, how many young women are there in, in your ward? I'm estimating about 14, but... People are constantly moving out, so we're probably almost around 10 now. Gotcha. Well, in California, especially Southern California, is a, is a real interesting place as far as social trends and the things that you're kind of exposed to as a, as a young adult and young women's and that sort of thing. And so one of the issues that you kind of are encountering socially, maybe even somewhat politically, is this uh, this issue of same-sex attraction and same-sex marriage. How does a 16-year-old get affected by this issue? I mean, how did, how did it come into your life and, and that you were affected by it? Well, at my school, there are going to be kids who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. And so every now and then you are exposed in your classes. We also have a club on campus called the Gay Alliance. And so there'll be posters up in our hallways about transgender awareness day or bisexual awareness day and stuff like that. A lot of my friends are political. And so they will talk about stuff like how it would legalize gay marriage. And I also have friends who are religious, so or somewhat religious. So they will also talk about gay marriage with their church religion. Um, I guess as a student in high school, I mean, as you learn about history and stuff like that, you're exposed to it that way, but I think mostly you're exposed to it by, like, peers around you and how they talk about it. Yeah. 
And so, you know, in, in your bio, we've, we found that you do love to write and uh, that you're currently writing for your school newspaper, which is a challenge in and of itself. And uh, one of the things that you've written, which is why we've kind of come together and, and how I, we were able to kind of learn who you were, was a piece that you wrote uh, for a contest called The H Word. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, first off, what, what is this contest and what, was, what, did you, what could you win and when was it and all that kind of stuff? I was told about the contest because my newspaper, the um, teachers and the, our administration, our newspaper class about it. And so what we did is we, sum- we submitted a story or a poem or, some, or a playwright. You submit a piece of writing and the way you win is either you can win, I think, about $100 for the most views um, and $100 for being second place in the category of short stories, um, fictional and non-fictional poems, playwrights, and stuff like that. And then there's an overall um, winner, and I forgot the price for it, but that's the winner out of all the... um, all the different, all the categories, yeah. And it's selected by a panel of judges. I'm not really sure much beyond that because I know it's a uh, something that they're trying out. So this is kind of a pilot in a way. We're still, um, I figure out when the winners are announced. And overall, I mean, you can win money. I think it's great because then you get to put yourself out there and. Right, and I think that was the appeal for a lot of people, and it's a great way to get recognition as a writer. Was there any kind of was there any kind of rules or theme to the contest? It was, I it was write whatever you wanted to, but I personally kind of set a rule for myself that I wanted to publish something that would, I guess, that would make people think, and something that I guess was kind of close to my heart, something that would kind of show me to the world. Absolutely. And so we have this, this, it's a poem, right? I mean, that's not, uh, that's not a miscategorization. It's, it's a poem of sorts and, and it's called the H word. And, uh, I would love it if you could read it. It's not super long. So if you could read it, um, that would be great. And then we can talk about the themes of it and, and maybe a little background on it. So why don't you go ahead and, and read us the H word. The H word. Did you know he's a homophobe? I froze. I felt like one of those moments in the movies where time stood still. Yet emotions, thoughts, and feelings hit me at three times ten to the eighth meters per second. I'm not one to swear. I never liked the anger and harshness associated with the words. Didn't like the feeling of such unnecessary words rolling off my tongue. Nor did I enjoy the taste they left behind. Yet those words no longer gave me the strange jolt in your chest feeling that young children get when they're young enough to feel uncomfortable at the sound of an infrequently heard bad word, yet old enough to know it's bad. Those words, though, I still discourage the use of them, didn't have the same effect on me as this H-word did. This H-word, used so casually, carried heavy baggage of hatred. I knew the he they spoke of. I knew his name, his face, and I knew his church. Because his church is my church, too. 
and I had an idea why people might give him such a label. His church, my church, our church, did not support gay marriage. And to some people, wearing a BYU sweatshirt and an I'm a Mormon pin was equivalent to putting an I supported Prop 8 sign on your back. And this wasn't always okay. This feeling isn't always out there, out in the open, but it's never gone. It's hiding somewhere in the corner of the room and comes into the light when you hear that another state legalized gay marriage. And the person next to you turns to you and said, and says, doesn't your church hate gay people? And whether or not there's a joking undertone or a serious air to their voice, it feels like time freezes as their words reach you. Yet the clock turns fast as you scramble for the right words. Because how do you explain to this person, whether they be a stranger, acquaintance, or friend, whether they be joking or absolutely serious, that your, town does, that your church doesn't support gay marriage because of biblical reasons, without pulling out the Bible and throwing out religious doctrine? And how do you explain to them that just because it says in the Bible that marriage is between a man and a woman, it is said to love thy neighbor, whoever they are, whatever they believe, and that you don't see why people assume that you can't love someone who is gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender as much as someone who isn't, and simultaneously not agree with gay marriage? And how do you incorporate that your uncle is gay and happily married to a great man to provide the ethos influenced evidence that your English teacher praises in arguments? to show that even though your church doesn't support gay marriage, you're still capable of being happy that your uncle is happy because you love him so much. How do you emphasize that you've met people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender and absolutely great people? Because that's exactly what they are, people. How do you tell them that there's much more to not supporting gay marriage than is shown on the surface? that it runs deeper and intertwines with doctrine and belief that rest close to your heart, and that no matter how unpopular they may seem, you believe them without a doubt. I don't remember how I responded to the statement phrased as a question that labeled a fellow churchgoer as a homophobe. After I had froze and my emotions, thoughts, and feelings slowed down, I don't remember if I shrugged in an uninterested way that changed, the sub- that changed the subject, or if I looked up and tried to give a spark notes worthy explanation of what he and I believed without seeming like a religious fanatic, or if I asked for reasons for distributing such a label. I don't remember if we were sitting outside with a group of friends, sunlight streaming through nearby trees, or talking alone in a crowded classroom by lit by fluorescent lights. But I do remember looking down at my shoes at the, end, at the end of the day, perched on the edge of a, the sidewalk, waiting to cross, with music blasting through my earbuds and the hatred lingering in my mind. And I remember secretly hoping that the word would never be placed as a label above my head. Yet more than that, I prayed that I would stand up for what I believe in, no matter what the consequence. Excellent. Thank you. So... This sounds like this was prompted by a real-life experience, not just something that you decided to write out of the air. So is this story, was this 
something that happened? Uh, was a friend of yours called a homophobe? Yeah, I remember one distinct time where, so yeah, as someone who I've known all my life, and um, he used to be in my ward, he was called a homophobe by um, one of my friends. And I think that they were joking at the time, but it's, it's happened multiple times before. I mean, I, like how I said, if I don't remember if it was outside or inside, that's because I've had it happen a few times. And so I, I remembered this when I was thinking of something to write about, and I just kept having this feeling that I should write about it and make this experience the center of my poem. Yeah, well, you're you're right that it is. It tends to be an experience that many people have had. I know personally, I have had that experience in the defense of traditional marriage, if you will, online, like on Facebook chats, where I've had cousins and friends either unfriend me on Facebook or flat out call me bigot or homophobic or all kinds of different names. And I guess because this wasn't happening to you, someone hadn't said it directly to you. How did? How did that feel, knowing that they basically could be saying it to you because you shared the same beliefs? Yeah, it's kind of like a, in a way, it, you kind of discover like a stab in the heart because you're like, oh my gosh, if they're saying this about this person behind his back, what are they saying about me? Like I said, yeah, it's really hard because I, I know that we believe in the same thing. I don't know how he acts, if they, why they would say that, but. Yeah, it just kind of strikes home, especially when it's someone who you know so well. Yeah. So how did you first respond to this uh, this experience? I imagine we're capturing some of it here in your poem, but what was your initial response? Can, do, can you remember? It's, it's happened to me a few times over the years. So I know, like, years ago when I was um, a bit younger and I didn't know so much about, I guess, church doctrine, and so how to respond, I just kind of shrugged it off and changed the subject. Mm. Recently, as it's happened, I'll try to say, oh, why do you think that? Or, well, I'm sure that's not the case. You probably just, something he said, um, or did you probably just look at it the wrong way? I don't think that he's homophobic, or I know that I've also, um, I try to explain to them, well, you know, our our church believes in this. And, we don't hate people who are gay or anything like that, but we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it's very personal and sacred to us. My response has evolved over time. So so now you, you tend to give them a little bit more theology, more of what we believe and things like that as, as your response rather than just kind of shrug it off. Cause yeah. And, and why, why, why do you suppose that? Do you think that that's a better response? Do they take it better? Yeah, I, I think it's best to address the issue. Often, when it comes to it, uh, you have to adjust how you're going to respond depending on the person, because certain per- people will want you to say, well, it's something very sacred to us, where other people would just say, well, it's something I believe in. I want to go over what the last couple lines of your poem, kind of to, to bring this to a conclusion because I think one of the things that your poem does is it shows that you're you're able to use your voice as a writer as a, as a young adult and to express some of the very real emotions that you have around this very difficult issue but your last couple statements your last couple sentences if you will really sum up a very interesting perspective that I would find to be fairly uncommon 
amongst people today, not just the youth. You say, uh, I remember secretly hoping that that word, of course, we're talking about homophobic as a, as a word. And I remember secretly hoping that that word would never be placed as a label above my head. Yet more than that, I prayed that I would stand up for what I believed in, no matter what the consequence. That's a very powerful statement, a very powerful conclusion to make. How have you come to that conclusion? How have you come to that position in your life? Well, I know, I mean, of course, learning doctrine has had some sort of effect on that. When you hear all the time, you know, don't fear man, like, don't fear a man more than you fear God. And if, and don't, like, adjust yourself for a man's opinions. Worry more about what God thinks of you than man and the people around you do. So, obviously, that has some sort of foundation for that. But I don't know. I'm... How I came to that, I know that over the years I've become, I guess, the designated Mormon at in my <laughs> friend group, and so they all know what I believe, and I'm, it's constantly brought up. The more I learn, I guess I establish what I believe, and it I kind of touch the edges of what I believe. This poem, one of the reasons why I actually wrote it is because it absolutely frightened me. It terrified me to put out a world that. I do not agree with gay marriage, and but I don't agree with it for my beliefs. I mean, I, I'm perfectly fine with saying that, but this is more than just telling friends. And it's telling people who don't know you personally and who might just stumble upon your poem for no reason. And so that's one of the reasons why I chose this. I, I find as I get older and I learn more about the gospel and stand firm on what I believe. I tend to do things like that. Like, I wrote an article for my school newspaper about being Mormon. I painted the Salt Lake Temple in my backpack. I have an, I'm have a Mormon pin. So I kind of go all out. But yeah. it's things like this, I guess they kind of help me come to that conclusion. Because, I don't know, they make me have to stand up for it, believe no matter what, even though I've already decided that that is what I want to do. This is this is a form of me taking action upon that. I don't know if that answers the question. Absolutely. No, it sounds to me like the, the more that you've studied and the more you've chosen to be to have integrity to, to your beliefs, that you've been blessed in a way with some greater peace for that. You've, you've had a clean and clear conscience for following through and defending what you know to be true. Yeah, it's, you, you feel much more... I guess, empowered in a way when you stand for what you believe in. Even if you walk away from a situation where kids are laughing or they disagree with you or you can just kind of tell by their body language that they didn't really agree or like what you just said, you just feel something kind of within you that I guess helps you get through it and know you know that you do the right thing and that kind of helps you later on when you're faced to have to stand for what you believe in again. Excellent. Well, Michaela, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us. And uh, any any chance that you know you don't know whether or not you won or or got any kind of uh, a, a run at at getting the most views for your your poem? Do you know where you stand? I do not. I know that sometime this month they are supposed to announce a winner, but I I keep checking and it's still to be announced. And so I'm hoping for an email sometime soon 
um, about the results. But did you? Uh, it's it's closed right now. They're not taking any more votes, right? Um. Yeah. It just re- uh, closed a few weeks ago. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much for coming on and, and being an example of, of what it means to have integrity and to defend your beliefs, uh, not only online, but in your school newspaper and, and all around you, that you, uh, that you embrace it. And, and that's to be commended. So thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening.